Easy now. Easy now. Easy now. That's right. Well done. Yeah, that was good. So get it right. He's good. He's good. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the Drive Talk podcast, uh, powered by Michelin, and we are back again at our podcast HQ podium place in the podium paddock. We are indeed. In fact, this guy next to me, uh, Joe's a little bit heated because he's just been on the Sims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying his hardest to get at the top of the leaderboard and, and uh, failing and failing miserably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you come to the podium paddock, they've got three motion simulation sims, and they are incredible. Two hundred degree wraparound screens, full motion actuation, yeah. G harness, and very difficult to drive by the looks of it. Yes, and very physical. I think if you're focused in there, it's uh, it's quite a, a a sweaty and hot environment. But um, but anyway. Let's uh, let's get on to our um, special guest and very good mutual friend, Mister Rollini. I don't, Rollini. I don't know why you're saying special. Well, no, not special like that. Special <laughs> as in it's a good special. Yeah, he's come all the way over from Dubai to be on this podcast. No, that's a lie. He's over here for a couple of weeks holiday. But um, some of you might remember Rollini, longtime viewers of my channel. I mean, he's been on the channel many many years ago. Um, and uh and he's known both of us for a long time been in the car scene um and almost exactly a year ago moved out to dubai um so we thought this episode uh would talk to Rolini about the difference in car markets between the middle east especially dubai and back here and and uh, various other subjects um so yeah hopefully it's going to be a good run Looking forward to listening to, to what you say because obviously you, you live out there now, Rolini, and um and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what goes on. Well, Dubai is a very similar but different market in the sense that you know when you go to a showroom in the UK, whether it's your BMW showroom or you go somewhere that concentrates purely on supercars and hypercars. Over there, everything is a supercar hypercar showroom, and you walk around and you become immune to the fact we were at Goodwood. And you were like, oh, look at that. That's a one of four. Look at that. It's a one of five. It's one of a hundred. You go, yeah, but one of them in the showroom. <laughs> and you know, what's, lying. what's that road? There's, there's all the big showrooms. Sheikh Zayed Road. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we were, I think we were, I was talking to Pat and um, it's the new, they're looking at the Pagani stand and they've got the Hawaira. Like, yeah, we've got Hawaira in the, in the showroom. Oh, it's one of a hundred. It's uh, just casually there. And it's not like, um, it's been a couple of years since I've been to Dubai, but I, I had the day off and I went and just walked down there. And I thought, oh, there'll be one or two supercar showrooms down there. There's like 10. Yeah, and there, walk- there's way more now. Is and there, you made the error of walking. And you, Well, yeah, it was hot too. And you walk into one and you're like, oh, wow. I mean, it's like holy trinity. The second you walk into the first one, you're like, wow, okay. And yeah, you're right. It is, it is, it is a bizarre place. And every showroom gets better. And they yeah. all outdo each other in some way, shape or form. And it's yeah, it's unbelievable the money as well. So there's a, there's a there's a couple of things I, re, I you know we really want to talk about on this podcast because I, I think f- first up it'd be really great to get as a as someone who's been in the car trade selling cars both here in in the UK and and now in the Middle East, just have a chat about where we think the car market's going. We've got lots of changes happening within the next few years. A move from uh, internal combustion engines to pure electric whether that's going to happen on the time frames that everyone says it is is a is a debate we can have on this this podcast we've also had this massive inflation in car pricing um in recent years and and cars holding their money in some cases growing even more money um there's the the change in interest rates which is making a huge difference on how people buy cars so there's loads to talk about and unpack in the uk and then I'd love to find out about in Dubai just the complete craziness and madness of the kind of cars that you, that you sell on a daily basis. Well, your your bread and butter is something like a G63 or a Cullinan because they they are the most, or even a Urus, they are the most common car you will you will look on the Sheikh Zayed Road, for example, and you just see them go past one after another. A lot of them are rentals, don't get me wrong, because you'll have expats on holiday in Dubai and they go, I want to experience that lifestyle and they will rent for, let's say, roughly £500 per day, a Eurus. And you can get to feel like you are somebody driving a very expensive car around the glitz and the glamour that is Dubai. That's mad. And and that's then you're selling those vehicles on a daily basis alongside your super hyper, very rare SP2 Monza. We had a Chiron in the showroom 
And again, in Dubai, I don't think I've ever seen that many Chirons in one small area. It's amazing. It's almost like a lot of them end up out there. I know a lot of collector cars, you had some really special old school BMWs in there yeah. uh, that weren't necessarily registered initially in, in out there. Uh, well, in fact, it was probably before most of Dubai was built, some of the older ones, um, or the modern Dubai that we know. Absolutely. And, uh, and this is the thing with the Gulf in general, many cars that are out there are all imports. Yeah. So you'll see the likes of a Japanese, European, and the, the cars that we had predominantly selling the last few months have been Japanese import, E30 M3. Um, Imran from Evolve came over. Yeah. He would made a beetleman for that car it was like i know it's here I want, I want to see it wow so yeah and yeah with twenty four thousand kilometers how oh. sport evo 3 is is almost unheard of and it's for you and especially joe with being mr bmw it's like that is a rare car yeah and with that mileage and its condition it's unbelievable can we rewind a little bit actually before we sort of talk about dubai as well and and, and what's going on up there now just talk about your uh past and what you did over here mm-hmm. for most of your adult life. You are an adult, aren't you now? I'm just, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Age-wise, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, don't get on the age thing, please. <laughs> oh, we're not, to, I, I wasn't, I was hinting at something else there. How old are you? I, you probably, I could be your dad, probably. Yeah, 100%. And um, 31. Yeah, I could be. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. Is a similar, no, no, you're not, no. But um, you worked in, uh, you, you worked, well, you tell us. Oh, well, um, Essentially, my my history is BMW uh, for many years, in total just over seven years, and in between there, two years working at Tesla. Oh, oh my ears just hurt then. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you're right, Joe. Can Did someone get a medic? You might Pat, have to call the ambulance. Pat, you might have to bleep that section out. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure a lot to talk so, about Tesla. Do you have salespeople? I thought they had a website. Well, they did, and most of it then moved to a website. <laughs> it's how they changed their structure of sales. They did the whole Apple thing. Everything's online. They still have a lot of the stores, but um, yeah, there's different structure of how they sell cars. And so the BMW side, obviously you've you've got, uh, you're a petrol head at heart, aren't you? I mean, well, petrol head, electric head, whatever we want to call it these days, but you you still a lot of track days with us. Mm. You, you loved your car. You had a beautiful Sunset Orange um, M2 Comp. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you you know you you enjoyed that. You didn't just work in the industry; you were actually a petrol head that worked in the industry, which which is rare these days. I think, especially especially amongst uh, cars sales people, um, there's very few petrol heads or people that are actually into the cars. A lot of them tend to be um, sales men or women, and that's it. Not car sales men or women. And I think there's a big difference there. Um, I think that's why someone like Tony does so well, and I'm sure many people that you know, Ped, in, in various other dealerships, uh, that they know what they're talking about. They're passionate about what they're selling. Um, and I think that's what, obviously, um, you were as well, uh, Rolini, back in the day um, with BMW, with the product. And sometimes, I think, especially in your case, sometimes it didn't even pay to be that passionate and love what you're selling because sometimes it's just a numbers game. Um and and that doesn't always get recognised and uh, appreciated. Well, that, well, that's how we met, really, with Alpina. Yes, I know the Alpina thing's very um, tainted now, but that when we first met, I knew of you. Um, I had an M two three five I at the time, back yep. in twenty fourteen, and I brought down one of the cars, an Alpina press car, for you to drive. That's right. And uh, yeah, then from there you get talking, you do, and I'm moving forwards from there. I had my M2, we did track days, and then somewhere in all of that, you meet other people as ped mm-hmm. at places like Goodwood. Yeah. And then before you know it, you recognize them and you see them somewhere else and in other locations. It's like, oh, hi. And then before you know it, that that's how your friendship group essentially builds. Yeah. And yeah, with, with being a car enthusiast at heart, despite having worked in the industry in automotive, sometimes that does get the better of you and and sometimes it then becomes more of a well let me consult you instead of sell to you yeah because you 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 see these people that are also enthusiasts so you become less of a salesperson to that individual yeah um and then again that's then how another friendship grows yeah because people then learn to trust you and as a sales person there is still that stigma that 
they're untrustworthy. They're just there to get a few quid in the back pocket and and kick you out the door. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and as when I entered the trade, it, it's over ten years ago now. It was um, yeah, I was a young person, an inexperienced, and in my head, I was like, I don't want that stigma attached to me. Yeah. And it was just then trying to be that friendly face of walking the dealership at the time, and it was um, yeah, just try and be normal people and just just give them the advice don't force the sale but at the same time you're still a salesperson so yeah you have that target above you you know what you've actually accidentally just brought up a subject that i think i should talk about now on the podcast because it's something that i've not talked about uh it's not too much of a long story so don't worry bed my goodness for that yeah <laughs> but it's actually an interesting subject at least in my head um uh and i i think something i get asked about a lot in the last five or six years maybe that long is why have I not? Why do I not review Alpina's? Why have I done nothing more with Alpina? What happened there? Because I had a very close relationship with, with especially when you were uh, working for them uh, in the UK, Bellini. And um, I mean, it, the, the relationship went a little bit sour, and, and unfortunately, most of it was down to the fact that um, it's a small. It, they don't sell that many cars over here, so they don't have massive budgets. They're also controlled by. Uh, I won't mention the 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 the, the uh, franchise group, but they are very much controlled by them. Um, the press cars, literally overnight, because of a small incident, I understand, suddenly became uh, unavailable to a point. But but if I wanted to borrow one, then I had to make sure it was insured, etc. Myself. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's and that at the time, I remember that hit me quite hard for a number of reasons. Number one is. If you're borrowing a press car, especially now where we don't make much on YouTube at all with these videos unless they go really well, um, the last thing you want is extra uh, costs on top. And you do end up pumping a bit more fuel in there and obviously the cost of your own time and filming and stuff. But if you then got to sort out proper insurance for a press car that you're promoting basically because with an Alpina, let's face it, I mean, I don't, I've ever since then, I've just said, look, it's going to be good, isn't it? And they are all good. But if you're already, if you're promoting a car for someone and having to pay for the expenses of promoting that car on your own platform in your own time, that didn't sit right with me. And as soon as that happened, I was just like, I'm out until that changes. And and I don't know if it ever did change. Um, and I'm not bad-mouthing Alpina because I think like I said they make fantastic cars Alpina in Germany I was very fortunate to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with uh, Andreas Bovensieben who is still the CEO uh, which was the most amazing insightful that was, I think that was a cool video it, it was, was yeah and I think it's actually probably one of the coolest if not the coolest opportunity I've ever had unexpected in a way as well because it was only meant to be 10 minutes in an office turned into two hours in a car on the autobahn and um, so I absolutely love the brand, but unfortunately that kind of tarnished the situation um, a little bit. And and that's kind of why I haven't, and, and people very kindly offer me a lot of Alpinas, their own cars, but at the same token, it's like, yep, yeah, so I'm going to take your B3 Touring. I'm going to say it's the best car in the world. And what's going to happen? People are going to go out, maybe people are going to go out and, and buy off this retailer that won't even insure the car for me to review so yeah. it never sat right with me from that point onwards and um and and you know i know things have probably moved on and changed since then and i'm not going to put Rolini into that awkward situation because obviously he worked for them but uh but i just wanted to talk about that because it's something that i do get asked on a weekly basis why don't you review alpinas and uh that's why but i can tell you sitting here on the sofa they're probably all very very good um but anyway moving on swiftly <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a bit of an insight that yeah. Anyway, going back to that the the buying thing for when I bought my mini, um, I had a really young guy, um, sales guy, was the was the sales contact in the showroom, and transpired he'd been actually an engineer that worked in the workshop, and he'd had an accident and he couldn't work overhead. He couldn't. He had a problem with his shoulder, so they said, "Well, we'll we'll try you out on sales," and they gave him like a, a little apprenticeship as a sales. And he was brilliant because he knew everything about the car. So being the the car guy. I was asking all these questions, he knew everything, and he was brilliant. And we went out for a test drive, and I came back, I went, I'm having that car. And they said, I, I'm I'm only learning, so I'm going to have to hand you over to my sales manager, and she'll complete the deal. And she came down, and I was buying it cash. And the first thing she said was, um, uh, why are you buying the car cash? I went, because uh, I want to. I don't want finance. 
the whole point of me buying this car, I don't want finance. Oh, not like cask. No, no, no. I, I didn't want finance. I had the money in the bank. Card. I just wanted to pay for it yeah. in, in, in a lump sum, um, uh, along with the trading. And she said, and then she said, I can make your money work better for you with a finance quote. And I'm like, that's fine, but I don't want one, thanks. Anyway, she went away, came back with two finance quotes anyway, and then tried to sell me, you know, uh, ceramic coating and wheel insurance. And, and I said, listen, I said, give me the, give me back to the young lad there to complete the sale or I'm walking out of the showroom. Yeah. I'm not interested in, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, um, is, is to what extent are, I don't want to put you in an awkward situation, but you've got other products as well as the car that you will financially benefit from selling. There's, cool. there's, there's a there's a kind of sometimes a perception, and maybe it's a correct one, that actually the salesperson, all they're really interested in is selling you gap insurance and, uh, you know, a, a coating and yeah. alloy wheels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and sometimes I understand why those products are there and even finance, you, you I'm sure you get probably a kickback on the finance, but sometimes it, it clouds that purchasing process. Um, and and I've always wanted to know from someone who is in that position, does that sometimes, do you think, I could actually make an extra buck here if I sell on that, but I'm not going to because this this guy doesn't want it. Well, the the short answer is it's your job. So your job is to sell the vehicle, the product, and the other products that come alongside that. And again, they have, in different dealerships, they have different personnel. So you'll have a business manager, for example, who will go out to offer the finance their job is to offer that to you not to force it upon you they should never and a good i had fantastic business managers work with me because they would go and go Look, i know you want to buy cash here's two options don't have to say yes but we have to offer it to you are you happy with the with the purchase of your brand new car and it would be so casual and so and some people would just need to turn around and go oh yeah i'm just going to buy cash fantastic enjoy your car here is other products that we offer you can say yes now you can say yes in a week and you can say no, and we won't mention it again. And they'll give you the information for your viewing, for you to understand. Some people do try and force that upon you, which is wrong in a sense. But again, in their eyes, that's that's their job. They have to do their job because that is how you earn your money. So you're almost obliged, aren't you? I think, from my understanding, probably got the APIs right. You got to correct. Tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. You will you will have your targets. So your targets will be broken down into cars, profit. Um, finance and and then you'll have your products and i guess there's um there's a lot of people who if you're a car guy you kind of know the game the dealers play right you know the fact that's in the car that you're trading in that you're buying you know you know you know where the where the deal can be done but lots of people are going to a car showroom and they've got no clue what and they're just like basically sitting ducks for 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 people who are unscrupulous this is where hopefully people have contacts now yeah. where you can turn around to your friend and I've had a lot of my friends say the same to me bro I'm buying a car I'm doing this I'm doing that do you think this is a good deal and I'll look it over very quickly sometimes I'll spend a little bit longer than I should and um, and I'll go yeah that's that's that looks good to me maybe try and get a discount on the car because it doesn't look like there is one and they'll go oh thanks for spotting that out or they'll have something rolled in there on the quotation that you don't know about you go, you've got tyre insurance. Did you know about that? No, it's £700. What? And so on like that. So it, it is just reading it over, but then taking the information on board. But unfortunately, that's part and parcel of your job to sell those products. And that is how you will earn a good sum of money as a salesperson. Because mm. I suppose a lot of it, let's just broadly speak in sales, car salespeople, a lot of it is on commission, right? Correct. So you've got a base salary, which is not massively amazing uh and but then your incentive is to sell uh which which is again is understandable i think if i had a dealership if you had one would probably it would be a similar i think wouldn't it you'd you know pay, a sales a, a, a decent sales team that isn't commission driven that no it's a simple i mean is that how your carpet sales go as well yeah that's right yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> look patrick was patrick had such a serious face and that 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 just changed it anyway sorry it's it's the same in the uae so so working over there in in the gulf in in dubai most people, funnily enough, will walk in the showroom and, and Joe says about, well, it's not just... Fi- no, they will walk in with physical cash, notes. Wow. And you'll sell a car, let's say it's a, mil- a million dirham, which is roughly £220,000. And they go, oh yeah, no, I'll pay cash. I'm like, do you want the bank details? No, no, I have money. 
on that that's okay out there that's okay yeah they walk in with your your bag your your rucksack oh we'll need to go upstairs to the uh, to the accountant and they'll count all of that for you wow and it's just normal they don't they don't break a sweat they don't stumble their words they just like no problem we'll go upstairs there are documentations to fill out to ensure that they are a legit person yeah that that money hasn't come from incorrect sources but yeah they will walk in and they'll happily pay cash for something now question because i think this used to be the case i don't know whether it still is the case in dubai because i've had i've got friends that live out there you you can pay your monthly installments with post-dated checks yes you still do that yeah because it's illegal out there to write a check without the correct funds because if a check bounces it's like three years in prison in dubai isn't it oh wow yeah yeah so it's not it's not something you want to do lightly, trust me. So I had a mate working out there, and he's, the company that he was working for basically had problems, got bought out. The company that bought it out went pop, and 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 he had all these post-dated checks for his car finance, mm. post-dated checks for his rent, and he's like watching the amount of money in his bank account go down and down and down. His wife's in complete denial, <laughs> and, and he's like, right, I've got till probably six weeks' time, and then a check's going to bounce, and then that's me. Wow. And they just... Literally just, he managed to get his passport back from his company because the company keeps the passport. Yep. Um, got his passport back um, and just got a one-way flight home and left everything. Yeah. That, well, that's a common, and that happened a lot in, when was the, the crisis, 2008? Yeah, 2008. Because there's that famous um, Enzo. Yeah. And I recently saw that car uh, finally being finished and I think it's maybe being sold now or very soon. I'll show you the photograph afterwards. And um, I don't actually have that photograph. If anyone asks, um, <laughs> but that but you've was... just told millions of people on the podcast. <laughs> millions, yeah. No, the, the numbers are going really. Well. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. James, if yeah, you're watching, I'm a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. I'm <laughs> taking. A, I'm, I'm Rolini's teaching me. One hundred million people. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that was a very common occurrence in in 2008 when the banking crisis happened. People would park it up, leave the key probably on the car, and and vanish. Wow. With a lot of debt in their name, oh, so but that specific car is uh, was in the desert for I think quite a, quite a long period of time. Yeah, um, looks a lot better now than it did then. Looks a lot better, yeah. yeah. But yeah, wowzers. Okay, so where should we go? Now? Should we have a chat about the 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 future of the UK? Yeah, well, I'm talking about cars that have been dumped in the desert. There is kind of some kind of crossover there, isn't there? Um, oh, you're with, thinking China now, then? Well, China and and in the UK, I think. Um, yeah, I think we should talk about the state of the current car industry. Um, should, I mean, should I tee this up by saying sales were amazing last year? Oh yes, sales were amazing sure. last year. Um, it's all. I mean, we we had a little discussion. We we just had lunch together. Had a little talk about it then. Um, and I think what you see on paper, what you're told about sales figures, what you're told about anything in this day and age, unfortunately is not always true um and i think uh, a lot of the sales figures that we're told i'm not necessarily targeting evs but i am um they're for the first time ever for the first time ever. i heard you're a big fan of evs well you know li- listen i i don't I, the, people think i really dislike them <laughs> i just i just don't think as positively about them as 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 maybe some others but um i turned up in an ev today you did t- and yours is actually very nice uh, an ev6 kia ev6 gt yes that is a good looking car 577 miles. wow it's on ps4s as well just saying wow yeah it is and so is mine <laughs> m3 touring what would you rather have comment below ev6 or m3 touring <laughs> carry on joe uh, carry on. anyway no so anyway these these sales figures. So I, I know a lot of people. We know a lot of people within the car industry. I know a lot of people uh, at the brands themselves and the manufacturers themselves. And I know a lot of people uh, at the sales men and women level. Um, and digging around, you start to realize that especially last year, um, a lot of cars were registered just for the sake of being registered. So firstly, these cars get thrown to dealerships. So manufacturers will throw various dealerships a load of cars that they don't necessarily want and then they're instructed at the end of the year to register these cars that they don't necessarily want to get the numbers up and that's just at dealership level that's happening everywhere throughout most of europe in china we've just seen in the news uh well we've seen some various various things on social media of all these thousands of cars parked up in 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 fields or whatever um and 
so so really we're not being lied to because the numbers are real so these cars have been registered but not registered in an organic way not registered because ev pete's gone in and and um and and and, and purchased one uh they've been registered just to, to 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 make the numbers look better and and i think this and then the knock-on effect of that is once again listening to people on the inside this is i'm not this is not conspiracy theory this is not me making things up this is stuff that i've heard from a lot of people within the industry is now the used market is saturated with barely used evs that have just been registered they might say 200 miles or 500 miles but you'll find most of them have got four or five miles they've just been registered on the forecourt and what that does is then push the price of the used cars down and then collapse the new car market and Patrick and I were looking the other day. For example, if you go on to Auto Trader and you look at something like um, an Audi e-tron, which is a lovely car. Uh, I think they started making them at the end of 20, uh, 2019, maybe was the early ones. But we looked at like 2020 ones with reasonable miles on them. Um, you can pick them up for high 20s. And, you know, that was a 65 grand car three years ago. And as we know, a 65 grand, how much was your Boxer GTS when it was new three years ago. Oh, uh, sixty-five. Okay, well this is perfect. And what's it worth now? Sixty-two. There we go. And that's to be fair. Okay, that's a bit of an extreme example because it's a Porsche and it's got half a GT badge on it. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but no. Okay, do you know what I'm saying? Like that off people. Yeah, that, that's 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 one end of the scale. The other end of the scale. But pretty much anything that was sixty-five grand the very lowest examples are probably going to be 45 grand they're not going to be 26 grand like a like a an e-tron is and the reason that is is because there's hundreds of them on there yeah. nobody wants them um or very few people want them and then you add into the the, the fact that the interest rates have gone up so as we all know as you touched upon finance rates are just through the roof discounts are very minimal now on new cars new car pricing has also gone up through the roof Government incentives have pretty much dropped away. We're being told that car tax is coming in on EVs next year. We're also being told that um, that congestion charge is either happening 24 or 25. And there's rumours around that that it's going to be based upon weight of the vehicle, which is funny in a way because obviously EVs aren't light. So it's very difficult and hard um, to see where this is all going because in terms of price, it's only going one way. And in terms of depreciation, it's also only going the other way. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I've talked I, enough, sorry. No, I, th I think we're in for a, a bit of a, a shock, actually, because I, th I think you touched on one of the things there is, especially around hybrids and battery electric, I think lots of people went into those because of salary sacrifice schemes, tax yep. incentives, um, and had the car and almost um, a lot, let's get this right, so a lot of people... I've run an EV for a year as a long-term, brilliant things. Yep. Under most journey profiles, they're phen phenomenal things. They, you know, longer journeys, you've got some, you know, range anxiety with public charging and, and those types of, of issues. But um, there will be people that ran those and almost put up with the inconveniences of running an EV because the tax incentives were so good. Those tax incentives, if they now get removed, so you have to pay road tax, you have to pay... Um, you know, more for the car. The salary sacrifice schemes aren't there. Electricity. Maybe the electricity cheap rate tariffs aren't there. Suddenly the incentives aren't as good and you don't put up with the with with the issues anymore and you go back to buying a piston car. Yep. And I know I know quite a few people have done that. And and I just think I think there's a there's a almost a kind of leveling of the market. I don't know whether you, you I mean it's, now you're out in selling supercars in the desert, but did you see that a year ago when you were I well in, in my so I, I started with obviously a BMW BMW launched i in 2013 and I I purchased my first i3 one of many that I had in 2016 and at the time it was almost nothing to charge no road tax and it was just a, a, a car that I could just almost run for free and, and, and back then an i3 was like buying something out of Star Wars right yeah. it was just so futuristic they still are I think they've always been ahead of their time yeah, really and, yeah. people never really understood the quirkiness of that vehicle and and now electricity I'm, I've been away for a year so I'm kind of a little bit out of the loop but I understand that electricity now is so much more expensive 
you can go and charge your electric car at a public charge point and it will cost you more than fueling a, a petrol car. If you haven't got a deal, I mean, you could be paying as much as 75 pence per kilowatt hour. It's crazy. On, and on, on a, on and a, at the same time, fuel prices are coming out. I mean, we drove here, well, a couple of hours ago. We went past an ESO and it was 132.9 for, for, for petrol. So That's fuel expensive. prices have come. Oh, yes. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's expensive compared, compared to the Middle East. But, I mean, we rewind a year or 18 months. They give months. you fuel in the, in the Middle East, don't they? Just, no, in Saudi Arabia, I think they do if you work yeah. for Aramco, but yeah, yeah. everybody else knows. Yeah, that's in your contract. You have to yeah. earn a certain amount of fuel. But it's it, it it is it's a difficult landscape. And I mean, you're extremely honest, open, and you've, I think you're, out of everyone that I watch on the interweb, I think you're the best person at being very transparent with everything and showing the pros and the cons. Mm. Uh, whereas, yes, I, I maybe maybe said a lot of cons and not as many pros but I'm, I'm the first person to put my hand up when we're talking about evs to say that there's a time and a place for them and i wish that rather than this whole right we're 20 30 we're going to do this i wish they'd just gone no let's focus on the big cities let's focus on london and munich and paris and manchester and and let's try and electrify them put an infrastructure in first then electrify them with smaller electric cars and and then go from there, see how it works. And that way we're bringing that ground level CO2 down because we are. Because no matter, even if they're getting charged by electricity that's comes from a coal station, that coal station's out in the middle of nowhere. So the cities are reducing, which is important. Mm. Um, and let's experiment a bit with that and then work our way. But I think just the whole, let's do this, you know, when, when, when you go to various countries around the world, some are ahead of us, miles ahead, like places like Norway and you know, uh, a lot of the Scandi countries I, I hear are so far ahead of us in terms of that. But obviously, they're smaller populations and smaller countries. But others are just nowhere near it. Like I've been to the States a few times this year. As soon as you get out of a big city, there's just nothing. And and or you know, places like Brazil, for instance, it, it, that's never going to be realistic in the next five or six years. Um, I was on a trip the other week with an Aussie, and he, we were talking EVs, and he's like, "That the distances we've got you know, out in Australia are just too big." Yeah, I mean. So I've got that EV, just as an example. So what EV6 GT, great car. Yep. Tomorrow I'm driving to to Wales to see Moggy have been at uh, Electric Classic Cars. Now if I was in a, a petrol or diesel car, I wouldn't have be, I wouldn't even think about it. But what I'm going to have to do tonight is plan the journey, right? Because um, I'm staying somewhere tomorrow night where I can't charge overnight. I'm staying with a friend. Yep. So I know I'm going to have to charge at some point. So the difference is I. You know, it's a, it's a planning thing, right? So I'll look at my route. I'll try and find a rapid charger somewhere on route. Um, work out my charge stops. I'm going to be filming on Thursday with Moggy, and we're, we're going to do some driving of the cars. And at the end of the day, the battery's bound to be, you know, depleted because we're going to be driving quickly. And you've got to. Yeah, I've then got to drive 200 miles home, so I know I'm going to have to get a charge stop home. So it's a completely different uh, a way of approaching things. And I think there there are many people out there that are happy with that way of that you've got to change your approach to car ownership and living with a car yeah and 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 if you're happy with doing that and you've got the patience to do that absolutely fine if you've not then it's a bit more challenging um but you know we were with porsche over festival of speed and they've got this massive program around sustainable fuels all of their cars at a festival of speed were running on sustainable fuels uh, and it's just pump gas right you just stick it in the back and it's you know from a, a an environmental impact um you know it's it's brilliant yeah, um, and you don't need to change the cars. Most cars don't need any changes whatsoever. The problem with that is is scale. Mm. Um, you look at again festival of speed. There was a number of hydrogen cars running up the hill, either fuel cell or uh, hydrogen combustion. Yep, amazing things. Yeah, um, there's a brilliant interview with Rowan Atkinson. He drove the little GR Yaris um, hydrogen GR Yaris up the hill. Amazing things. So there's all these other things that that are able to power cars along. Yep, and my challenge with it is I just don't think it's enough of a mix we've kind of the easy solution is to say put everybody in an electric car but and get rid of pet piston cars the, the small issue with that and I mean it's not really a small issue it's the biggest issue is education people forever have been told to get in their internal combustion engine vehicle drive to an fuel station spend three minutes and then a hundred pound later circa you drive away People now don't understand the fact of where I can charge, how long it takes, the different output of, of power, 
how long the battery lasts and all of these questions and there there are a couple of companies out there that will educate you but like with hydrogen i couldn't tell you a thing i don't know because i've never educated myself on it so the the i mean the the so firstly for most ev owners for most journeys if you've got a charger at home you never have to go to a fuel station you no. wake up in the morning you've got a full battery you're not yeah. gonna go hydrogen the the the, the you, so a hydrogen fuel cell what you're doing is basically creating electricity on the go so you've got a, a, a compressed hydrogen tank on the car so you fill that with hydrogen from a hydrogen fuel station there's only 10 of those in the uk but that's um, a very small number of it, it is i drove a toyota mirai that can do 400 miles on a tank of hydrogen and it takes three minutes to fill up so basically the, the same as what we're used to essentially yeah. yeah yeah the problem is um either distributing or creating hydrogen so yeah. you can you can create crack hydrogen at at a fuel station so you don't have to distribute it anywhere it's quite energy intensive to make um but that that's but it's again it's a scale thing yeah um I, for me i think hydrogen's definitely the you look at what jcb are doing on the large plant machinery and stuff they've basically got so then you can also use hydrogen in combustion engines okay so they work in a similar way to a petrol or diesel engine you've got a piston going up and down and a bang at the top yep um and and they work in a similar way to that, and that's that's the route that JCB are going with their heavy plant machinery. Is they've got hydrogen combustion. Again, Harry's done some mega stuff on there with JCB. Um, and again, be once you you, you create it, but for things like buses, um, haulage vehicles, yep, plant machinery, it's just an obvious part of the mix where electric just isn't. Well, I mean, Elon Musk makes a big thing about the whole Cybertruck thing, but. I'm sure in certain circumstances, but it, again, it's just you know I've I've towed with an electric car and it it wasn't good. No, it, it, well, actually, actually, let me rephrase that. It was a mate. An electric vehicle is a brilliant towing vehicle because they've got, got that torque, got instant torque, yeah. loads and loads of it, which is just what you want for towing. The challenge is uh, drag and aerodynamics and, and power um, sort of drainage on the on the whole drivetrain thing. Um, but it 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 needs to be a mix. And I think what we might see, we've seen it in Germany, haven't we? Where they the the kind of the the German authorities are being lobbied by some of the car manufacturers, Porsche leading the way to try and push that twenty thirty deadline back a little bit, yeah. give it a bit was, more headroom. It was originally twenty forty, was it not? Well, yeah, and then somebody for some election probably went, I know, let's make it twenty forty. Yeah, we'll yeah. get all the just stop oil protesters um, voting for us. Yeah, um, so I can see that I can see that deadline moving. Mm. I can see more of a mix. Um, but I just think that there's an element of. I mean, I'm, I try and keep an open mind. I, like Joe says, I'm. I, I can see the the strengths and benefits of EV. I've 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 had one in the in the on the garage or on the forecourt outside the house for for the last year, and they're brilliant, brilliant things. Um, but when when it goes wrong with an EV in terms of you go on a journey and you can't find somewhere to charge, it goes wrong really badly. Do you know? Do you know what happens? A diesel truck picks you up. Well, all uh, AA and Relay, all these kind of roadside assistants, they'll all have battery packs now that will give have those now they'll... enough charge into the battery or into the car just to get you to the to the nearest charge point. But then you can't tow an EV. No, so you can't put you can't put like a spectacle on the front and tow it. So that normally has to be flat bedded away. Yeah, let's um, say a diesel truck will just take you to which the diesel charge. Is a bit of problem. Um, but yeah, I think um, I just I, I just think there needs to be a much better conversation. At a, at a leadership level, so political leadership level, with people who actually know what they're talking about, and and I, I just don't get that that's that's the the sense at all. I think you need to gather together industry experts, and you know, there's no way real experts. Not yeah, we're not, not, lay, not lay, Well, no, I'm saying in say in politics, like as in real experts. Yeah, a lot of them are labelled up as experts, and they're all getting backhanders. Yeah, they're not. And uh, we're not. We're not. We're not, not sitting there saying I'm an expert no. either. All we get is we we are in a fortunate position where we get to meet and talk to, um, you know, people within the industry. So, you know, I spent a, a day with Toyota and I drove the Mirai, and it was fascinating talking to them about about hi, uh, hydrogen for them as a brand. And I know BMW are, are in a big way looking at that now as well. There was they had a hydrogen vehicle at, at Festival Speed. They did. Um, JCB are doing so, and and I just think the, the we just need a better conversation because I'm not convinced electric is the way to go and we haven't even touched on the whole um how you make batteries and and people always say we're in our infancy 
charging infrastructure gets better, battery technology improves. I'm sure it will. Um, but it's, it's... Well, it has to. It, if, if EVs are the future, I think they're a stopgap. Personally, something, whether it's hydrogen or something else, comes along and some, that's better for the environment and everything else. I mean, how many you know how many cars are there in the road in the UK? I don't, I don't know the question off the top of my head, but imagine all of them as electric. But then you go somewhere like I don't know India, yeah, or or most of continental Africa, or Brazil, where we Brazil, been, yeah. How many cars are on the road there, and and what's their the likelihood they're going to go to to be electric? Well, I'll tell but you now, even zero. look in the Gulf because they they make the oil. That's yeah. where your oil comes from. Yeah, but, and they want to reduce the amount of oil that they're producing, don't they? But at the same time, because your fuel is so cheap, why would you go and buy an electric car? Yeah. I can go to, in fact, I don't even have to go to the fuel station. Some guy in a truck drives to wherever my car is parked and fuels my car no. on the side of the road. Stop it. While I'm at work. <laughs> I've lived out there for a year. I've never been to a fuel station since I found this out. I go on an app. He comes to me within an hour. But you must pay a big premium. For nope, that it's exactly the same price. Oh and that's the thing out there. Every fuel station is exactly the same price. So you don't go to Shell, BP, and all the other service stations to go, that one's 5p cheaper than that one, but if I have to drive the extra two months, nope, just go to the first one, or get them wow. to come to you. My, I got a mate moved out, it might be the same for you, a mate moved out there a few years ago, when, when he got to his kind of apartment that he was renting, he had a re, he bought a really nice car, and then there was a, a guy came along and said, would you like me to clean your car for you? And he's like, oh, how, how much does that cost? And I, I can't remember how much it was, but it was, it was like £10 or something, right? It's way cheaper than that. Yeah. So, but, but then, so he said, "Oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do that. That's fine." What he didn't realize is that's ten pounds. This guy cleans his car every day. Yeah. Oh, he wakes up every morning. The car's been cleaned. Uh, like the first week, he was like, "So, hold on a minute. You've washed my car every day. He'll literally wash the paint off." He went, "Well, yeah, you paid me to clean your car." He went, "Yeah, I thought you were going to clean it like once, once for ten pounds, <laughs> not every day." Oh, ten pounds. No way. Yeah, the, some of the uh, services that you get washing the car and so on, they are so cheap. Yeah. And everything out there is PPF. So you don't mind some guy coming along with a, a waterless wash and a dirty leather or microfiber and wiping it over because self-healing PPF, the car looks fantastic even when he's finished it. Right, so this is a great segue. So we've kind of had our rant. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come back to that subject. If you want, if you want us to cover a particular subject, by the way, please put it in the comments or send us an email um, and uh, drivetalkpodcast at gmail.com, by the way, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try and get to you. So let, let's, let's talk about your move to... Um, to Dubai, um, I guess the first question is, how did that happen? Is that was that something you you wanted to do for a while, or did you just get a random email? How did you end up living in Dubai? It was more of I'm going on holiday. Yeah, I went once. This is sick. <laughs> See, this place you can is tell, amazing. You can tell he's younger than us because he's just used the word "sick" and got away with it. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. And then you go, I'm going to go again. It's yeah. almost like us using "easy now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cringy. You know, if we use "sick," yeah. Sick. Oh, that's sick. Easy now. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Carry on. You finished? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so of course you look from the outside into Dubai and it, there's very glitz and glamour and it's all very smoke and facade. Is smoke and facade the right saying? Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And um, once you look past that and you realise that the people that do live there and do work there earn a very good wage, the... What, what's the tax rate there, mate? It's, oh, it's... Zero? And there is that—that that is a massive advantage when you live there. Do you think what what not losing forty percent of what you earn? That's a fairly big advantage. You have yeah. insurance and everything else. But, yeah. And this is the thing, and, and your your healthcare. When you start speaking to people, everything is paid for, but the services again, even as basic as the car wash, your dentist, your doctors, you pay for it, and it's most of it's done through your work, but the level of service is unbelievable. And when you start looking into it and you're there looking at the UK and everyone's starting to moan and a negative mindset, money's getting, your money is worth less now than it was last year. And it then becomes harder to buy a car because the finance rates and so on and so forth. You go, well, what have I got to lose? Mm. And I can do my job out there the same as I did here. So I'm still in automotive and you're respected higher because of your background of working in the UK with your qualifications and your training. So, um, yeah, speaking to a few people and I was a little bit fed up of the UK with my job. Um, I was like, well, I'm at that age where I, I kind of have nothing to lose, so why not? Yeah. 
And then, yeah, so I went on a few holidays and walked into the showroom that I was in and literally said to one of the guys in there, I was like, I love this place. I would, I would love to get a job here. And he was like, oh, really? I says, yeah, I've got 10 years of experience. He's like, have you got your CV? Yeah, let me send it to you. And then his manager rang me the next day. And lo and behold, offered me the job and that was pretty much my in for where I was working. I've moved to another showroom now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So so when you're working like for BMW and Alpina, you kind of got this like, you know, model lineup of cars. Now you're in exotics. It must be when a new car comes in, you're like, all right, I just need to Google that. Yes, yeah, so you spend some time looking at it's 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 almost impossible to know every single car as well. Unless you're Tim. Unless, Unless yeah, if it's me, yeah. He came to the showroom. Yeah. This, this and this and this and this is that car and he looked at the speed tail that we had. Oh, it's in um, what was the name of the colour of the green? It's only it's the only speed tail in this colour. He would be the person to know that. Did you know he just dropped casually dropped in the speed tail? The speed yeah. I've only ever seen one of them. Oh, we've got two. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that up for? Fourteen million dirhams, so three and a half million pounds. No. Wow. That was a that was a that was that, stereo. That was a stereo. Wow. Yeah. Fourteen. Wow, okay. Brand new. Never driven. What what's the most impressive? In the how long are you okay? So, how talk, long talk us there? through some bangers, yeah, through some of, some of the sheds that you've sold since you've been out there. <laughs> some of the sheds. Well, I mean, they go as low as a GR Yaris. Oh, wow. not really a shed. Very cool out there because they never had that car in in that country. Yeah, so they were all imports. They love them. Like I know so many supercar owners here in the UK that also have a GR Yaris. I I understand why. I I know so, a guy's got an Aston Martin GT8. It's like a gunmetal grey with luminous green mirrors and wing caps, and he's got a GR Yaris in exactly the same same spec. spec. It looks awesome. wicked. But again, out there in the UAE, if you ever go out there and drive, everybody understands the left-hand lane is the overtaking lane. Every other lane is like a free-for-all. So when you're in something small like a Yaris, or I have a JCW Mini, you can Good just lad. you can just dart in and out of the traffic. You're not supposed to. But this- but nobody. That's not like over here. You'd get obviously massively done for it because there is some lane discipline but I yeah. suppose lane discipline doesn't exist just doesn't exist it's non-existent right. apart from on the outside lane where you overtake but if you're if you're, if you're in a big black land cruiser and you're a local people just get out of your way right well you, you just flash and everyone will move over yeah. because that's the kind of give way symbol just flash your headlights they move out the way I met a guy last time I was there I, I was we were staying at a golf resort and I was chatting to a guy at the bar and he was an expat living out there mm. And the first week they got there, his wife was driving to the shops and she got cut up by a black Land Cruiser, right? So she stuck her hand out the window and gave the old, you oh, know, no. and two hours later, there was a knock on the door and three guys took her away and he didn't see her for two weeks. What? Yeah, because it, it was one of the local, um, you know, the really high up in the, in the local family. And they, the only reason they let her off was because she'd only been in the country a couple of days and didn't know that's not what you do. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, when you, yeah. you know when you drive in the UK and you get flashed on a camera and you're like, oh, I've just been caught speeding. You wait two weeks for the ticket to come through, don't you? Yeah. Two minutes, you'll get a text message on your phone. Yeah. Uh, you've got caught speeding. This is your fine. And it just pops up. Wow. And you just keep paying them. Right, you, no can, you can leave them. You yeah. can leave them for a year until you have to renew the registration on the car. So you can just you can just rack up your fines, parking fines, speeding fines, and they just or you can just pay it off instantly and it's done with. <laughs> so, but it's just and and a and a speeding fine here is three points on your license. You get twelve points. You've lost your license. There, you have to be going over a certain speed to then get points. But you can get twenty five points, I think it is. And it, normally, if you do over a certain, it's six points. So you can get quite a few. So let's go speeding in Dubai. Yeah. As long as you do under 200, you're fine. Kilometers. <laughs> so come on, let's, let's find out some more cars. So you start with GR Yaris at your base. base level. What was the first really car that you sold? You were like, wow. Um, oh, wow. I've done a couple of Rolls Royces. Yeah. They're, not, they're not your normal. But again, out there, they... they That's like a commuter they are, car. Yeah. But it was a long wheelbase Ghost. And it was... It was owned previously by the royal family so it was a beautiful spec blue exterior with the silver and uh, like a cream interior wow spec to every option and again that's a common occurrence out there every car is fully optioned you don't turn around and go oh it's not got that it's not it's just yep full option 
And yeah, then you have your G wagons and then um, other cars uh, like a Monza SP2 that ended up in Switzerland, I think it was. <laughs> well, that got exported. Wow. So that was uh, that was uh, around ten and a half million dirhams, so two million pounds, something like that. And again, that's that's extremely special. And it had the launch livery on it, the blue into the red, which is really nice. Where did the to the the dealers that that are out there on the road we were talking about? Where do they source their cars from? Are they so a lot? I mean, of, they must be tapped into some some. They really, of course, everybody who needs to know knows, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have uh, again Dubai. The the com- it's a small place, and in automotive, if you know one person, they probably know that person. Who knows that person? You go, well, I need this car. Oh, I know so and so who has that. Great. Does he want to sell it? And then the conversation starts. You get introduced, and before you know it, you get introduced to so and so, who then expands your network. Mm. And then throughout the winter months, let's say November to March, something like that, when it's like what thirty five. Yeah, it's degrees. cooler. Yeah. In the evening, it can be 25, 30 degrees. And that's a lot cooler than what it is now in the middle of the day. It's 50 degrees. But they have shows and events most days. You can guarantee Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there is an event. And again, in Ramadan, you have a drive most days. And you will have expats and locals. One day, he'll come out in his uh, Series 1 Land Rover. The next day, he'll be in his 918. The next day he'll be in a Fiat 500 and they have so many cars and you'll see the same guy driving a different car every single drive, which is most days. And you'll just go up to him and talk to him. Like, oh, so what do you do? And they'll talk to you. You'll exchange WhatsApp numbers and then if you want to sell something, do you want to buy something? And then that's how you build your network. And it's it's fascinating because, you know, if you come here and, and you speak to, let's say someone at the Festival of Speed who gets out of a Hawaii, you say, oh, what do you do? And they're a little bit standoffish. And they almost don't want to tell you this information and, and you get their telephone number. Out there, yeah, no problem. They'll tell you the whole life story. Because it's a safe environment. Yeah. They know that nothing will happen. And that actually, you never know who you might meet to expand your network. They may need you. They want to buy a car. You are the person that they can come to if you build a good friendship to purchase their vehicle. So that's that's the best thing. It's such a fantastic country. And the, region. the the dealerships. So, I would I would hate to try and work out what the stock, the cost of all the the stock in this dealership is. Are those cars are they mainly on sale or return, or are they owned by the dealership? Because if every dealership is different, yeah. Mo- most, um, yeah. Well, every dealership. The the previous one I was at, ninety five percent of them were owned by the by the dealership. Um, hitting me. Yeah, the showroom owned all those cars. You had one or two oh, that wow. weren't owned by them. But you will have, let's say, in the region of £100 million worth of cars at least. Because you had the showroom floor and downstairs. How? And Rolini, so if you're, if you got up on a Sunday morning and you're like, I want to go out for a drive. On Jebel Jace. Yeah. That can't be that far away from you. It's about an hour drive. Right, okay. Oh, is that that? It's the tallest mountain in the... Um, it's like the coolest road ever. Okay, but is yeah. it? But is it? Is it good in real life? And is, or is it these days really populated and busy? I've seen it on a certain YouTube channel. It looks really good. It's yeah. Good. You have to go early in the morning though, because at the top there is a zip line and a few bits to do. Okay, but if you if you set off early in the morning, let's yeah. say five a.m. and you get the, at the bottom of the mountain for six, yeah, you'll have an empty road. There's no wow, cars. wow, and it's extremely fun. And the the house at the top is owned by one of the sheiks. Okay, so really you're driving up his driveway. Yeah. But it's a fantastic piece of tarmac. Oh my! Because it's two lanes wide. Uh, so is, going up, is it like a motor? No, going up is one lane wide. Going down is two lanes. Right. And then you have Jebel Hafit, which is another, another mountain route. Which again, there's a hotel, uh, like towards the end of it. And we need to go out there and do that. It's yeah. unbelievable. Let's get out to get out to Dubai. Yeah, you need to. Even yeah. the police, the police in Dubai have supercars, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, they will make anyone's personal collection look boring. Everything from your G wagon, your patrols. They have an SLS. They have an I8. Gains. Do you think that's yeah. like a marketing tourism thing? Yes, more absolutely. Than anything, yeah. Because they can then go to these events and shows and be there in a capacity to say, look, we want to be involved. They do the track days. They go on track days with these supercar clubs. And they'll, in a police car? Yeah, in a police car. They'll turn up in the R8 police car and they'll do laps and they'll take other people out in their car. And this is this is the hospitality of the police there. Everyone has that mutual respect. That's why 
it's such a safe place as well. There's like no crime in Dubai, right? There is, but it's a lot of it's normally tourists. Yeah, yeah. If you live there, why would you? Yeah. Because you commit a crime, we're going to get kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's, yeah, don't, don't, again, it's that whole facade. There is, there is crime. Mm. Of course there is crime. Um, but uh, it's still extremely safe. And you see these crazy TikTok videos of, I'm leaving my laptop phone wallet on the table in McDonald's in the middle of Dubai Mall and walk away for an hour. You'll come back, it's still there. That's, wow. You do that in Birmingham or London. That'll be gone within three minutes. Did you leave your house keys in the door when you left? I don't lock the door. I don't lock the door. Oh, okay. What's what's your address, really? Um, in Dubai. <laughs> but the same with the car. You know when you know it's fifty degrees outside. You know if you're nipping into a coffee shop or yeah. a supermarket, you'll leave the key in the car with the car running. Yep. Knowing full well when you walk out, the aircon's still going in the car. The car's still there. Yeah. And that's how safe it is, and that's how confident you become of where you live. Yeah. It, but and that's the beauty of going there, and that's that's one of the reasons why you move because it is so safe. Yep. I, I came back to the UK last week, and a fortnight ago in Nottingham, you look at the news and you're sat there going, "Not sure I want to go home." Yeah, we're both from Nottingham, so I totally get it. Yeah. Are you from Nottingham? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, really? I'd speak like him if I was still living there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, my sister does speak a like she's got. A, She's the only one of the family who's got a real broad Nottingham accent. But. I'll come back in another year, I'll probably start speaking Arabic to you. Help, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Before we finish up, because I can't believe it's actually almost been an hour. I just looked at that as I went. Um, I want to ask you an obvious question. Um, if you've got your John Cooper wax, now if you could have any other car, uh, what would it be, Wellini, living out where you do? And why? With your tax-free money. Mm. Yeah, well, that doesn't actually matter because this car's just going to be yours. I, I would probably go something local, like a patrol, like, oh. but an older one. Or they have these super safaris. Yeah. And it, all these guys do is they modify the chassis a little bit, put some crazy suspension on some massive wheels, let the tyres down and go in the desert. The whole desert camp thing is and going out. My mate lives there, he just goes out and has barbecues in the desert. They do it? It's like massive out there, isn't it? Yeah. And you can, as as a as an expat, you can go and pay someone; they'll take you, hmm. and you can then go and have a full evening in the desert. Food, they do everything. It's fantastic. And is it because um, Ped and I were in South, uh, Saudi in January? One thing that stood out, um, something that needs to be fixed and improved on, especially if they want to get the tourism that they're aiming for, is that is the is the rubbish when you as soon as you go out of the city, well, it's everywhere. It's Every oh, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, the rubbish. I've never seen so much rubbish and garbage everywhere. I mean, we were in the middle of the desert on a on a stage of the Dakar, and it was just crap. Every everywhere. square inch there was a bit of rubbish. And Saudi Arabia at the moment is quite bad for it, but they are spending fortune, yeah, to try and improve it. Yeah, billions, and you have it in the UAE as well. There, there are a lot of. Um, I don't know whether it's when you can pinpoint it on locals, people living there, expats or tourists. Yeah. There are groups that go out on the beaches into the desert and actually pick up all the rubbish yeah. on their days off because there are a lot of people that have spare time. But are people, what's the mindset out there? Because I can imagine it's more like it's just been like that forever and they set up a barbecue and then just leave all the rubbish and wander off and um, and it's, you know, it'll get caught, it'll get covered by the sand or whatever. Are people a bit more savvy with that now? You know, I think, like I think so. Yeah. I think because you, you can quite easily be watched and monitored in those countries in the Gulf region yeah if any of that is caught yeah it, it, it's punishable sure and, and they will punish you for something very very small yeah because well, you're in their homeland yeah why why would you have the disrespect of going there and littering yeah even just throwing your chewing gum on the floor yeah they'll put you in prison for it something yeah. really minor yeah and it will give you slap you a massive fine 2000 dirham or something like Be that fair, it should do that over here fly tipping but, but unfortunately in the My UK... 10 I, years in prison for fly tipping. Yeah, fly tipping, yeah. Well, people that... Are, and I see it still way too regularly, and I'm not just stereotyping white van drivers, but it is white van drivers. And I'm not... I know I was a white driver. No, I mean, I, you're not going to see someone no. in their M3 touring filling the boot up and chucking it all out the car. No, no, I'm not talking about... that at night time. I'm not even talking about fly tipping. I'm talking about people that go around and chuck their McDonald's bags out the window while they're driving along. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like... How I just nothing frustrates me more than that. I think that's so. It just it boils my blood when you see people doing that, even if it's a crisp anything. Fagbots 
Fred, you might yeah. Have been. yeah, yeah. Since when was that not litter? Well, and smokers don't think it is, do, do they? A lot of smokers are like, oh, no, that's not littering. What what kind of is? But yeah. Anyway, we, we digress. So we've done smokers. What? Yeah. Um, anybody else that we can... Affect? Anyone else Anyone else left watching or listening to this? Um, <laughs> Keep that for another podcast. Oh, we've done all, all car sales people that... Oh, yeah. Just tell us all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. EV um, owners. Oh, EV owners, yeah. EV yeah. owners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, well, listen. I, I, I think we should uh, we should wrap this. Um, I've, I'd love to say a big thanks to Rolini, um for for coming on. It was a bit last minute, um, and uh, and I'm glad that you you took the opportunity. In, and uh, it's awesome to have you on, mate. And I know we've known each other now for close to ten years, and yep. we've been very good friends for that. And uh, and it, it's been it's been awesome. How can people find you on this on your socials uh, if they're interested in? Because I know you do post a fair amount. Um, just, at, just my Instagram, so at Rolini. At Rolini. And what is your actual name? Andrea Rolini. Andrea Rolini. See, not many people, well, even in our circle, we all just know you as Rolini. Rolini, yeah. Because um, it's it of the Instagram handle. Well, yeah. It's just my surname. And it's a cool surname. I mean, not quite Achilles, but, you know, it's right up there. Um, <laughs> but some of us have to have boring surnames. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely not boring. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I reckon it's been a pretty sick episode. Yeah. That was wicked. Yeah. Oh, I'm well stoked. Oh, yes. <laughs> no one says that anymore. Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. Rad? Mint. 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 Yeah, mint. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to get bigger. Yeah, well, Mint. That was bad. Yeah. That was bad. 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 Oh, yeah, say that. That's Stop. Bad Stop. is good. Yeah, it's just, yeah. But thank you for having me. Our pleasure, man. That's my first podcast. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not your last. Hopefully, not. Anyway, he's an owl. Easy now. Easy now.